0: What is up podcast fam? Welcome back to the Energy Exchange Podcast where I sit down with some of the brightest minds in health and wellness and really extract knowledge, wisdom so that you can implement these different practices and protocols into your life. And I really believe that life is an energy exchange. We're constantly giving, we're constantly receiving. And the more that we can create synchronicity with our energy exchanges, the more our lives will be fulfilled with joy, with abundance, with happiness. And especially with what's going on in the world right now, it's so important that we think outside the box and find ways to really connect with people virtually. And I really encourage you to think about your friends, your family, and see what you can do to exchange energy with those people. I'm so excited for us to be on this journey together. I genuinely appreciate you so much. And let's get into today's show. What is up? Everybody, welcome back to the Energy Exchange Podcast with the one and only Dr. Mary Pardee. And Dr. Mary is a naturopathic medical doctor and a certified functional medicine practitioner who specializes in integrative, gastroenterology and hormone balancing in Los Angeles, California. She's the founder of Modern Med, a telemedicine and virtual wellness company that provide wellness and health services to clients all across the world from the comfort of their own homes. Dr. Mary is also the chief medical officer and board member for our Academy Global an organization whose mission is to provide opportunity to homeless and ex-felons with a holistic 360 approach. Dr. Mary, welcome.
1: How are you? I'm excited.
0: I am more excited. That was quite the intro. You're doing a lot of exciting things.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've got my hands full, but it's all stuff that I love, so I'm happy to be busy doing what I love.
0: I love it. And, and actually, I'd love to, I'd love to hear more about our Academy Global, because I had no idea you were involved in that organization. Talk a bit about what you're doing for the homeless and the ex-felons.
1: Yeah, so this is a program that um, was supposed to launch this year in terms of creating a beta. And so with everything that's going on, it may be delayed till 2021, but it's a program that's going to help take people that are homeless or felons and are having a hard time getting a job and re putting them back into society as productive members. And so it's a really comprehensive program where people are actually going to learn how to build a tiny home from the ground up. So all of the skills that are required to do that. And so they'll graduate the program with all of these applicable skills and be put into another job that has a similar environment. What I love about this project though, is that it also surrounds them with health. So Modern Med, my company is going to be responsible for, you know, doing functional lab testing on them for giving nutrition, diet, supplementation recommendations to really optimize their physical health, but then we also have um, practitioners doing breath work and movement and taekwondo and really creating a community of wellness around these people Um, because I think one of the big issues with you know any sort of um, like homelessness or just mental illness condition or just um, anxiety, depression, or whatever it is that has caused people to to not be you know in society as productive members, I think it we have to get to it from a community perspective, right? Mm. And so I think that that that's going to be like a huge piece of this puzzle that hasn't been implemented yet. And this project is so fascinating to me because it's almost like a mini microcosm. Um, of just a wellness hub for these people.
0: Mm, I love that. How much of a role do you think things like poor nutrition and lack of access to these modalities that you and I have is plays a role in these people get going to prison in the first place?
1: Yeah, I think. It- I think with everything, it's a piece of the puzzle. So I think we can get really caught up and blame things on one thing. That's where dogmas come in, right? In terms of nutrition, like this is it, like this is the answer. I don't believe in most dogmas. I really believe that everything has something to do with it. So I think it's a piece of the puzzle. Um, We do know, though, in the United States, not even taking into consideration the homeless population, but just in general, the amount of micronutrient deficiencies is much more than we would have first assumed. So it's like 98% of the population is deficient in omega-3 fatty acids. Mm. Um, About 70% of the population has lower than optimal vitamin D levels. 50% 50% magnesium deficiency. So we see these in huge numbers just in the general population. So do you think that the homeless population has an increased risk for micronutrient deficiencies that could contribute to mood or any other um, sort of issue? A hundred percent. I think that they're going to be at much higher levels. So I'm interested to, to really collect data and um, see if how much it helps.
0: Okay. So you just mentioned a few common deficiencies that a lot of us americans and people around the world are suffering from so you mentioned omega-3s magnesium and what was the third one
1: um what did i say magnesium or vitamin d is another big one. It's about like 70% of the population, especially if you're in the northern latitudes, the numbers rise dramatically, have suboptimal vitamin D levels. Um, But I mean, those are just ones that I mentioned. So vitamin C, you know, we used to only think that scurvy was the issue with low vitamin C. And now we're seeing about 10% of the population is deficient in vitamin C at basically levels that would cause scurvy. So a lot of the micronutrients are going to be more deficient than we originally had thought thinking that, you know, in modern Western society, we should have optimal micronutrient levels. You don't really need to worry about it. Just focus on your food. And I'm always a fan of food. And I tell people, yes, get everything from your food that you can. But our food is so much different now than it was you know, 100, 200 years ago. So unless you're living on an island, growing your own food, practicing, you know, sustainable agriculture, you're not exposed to toxins and you're not flying on airplanes and all of these things, you're not under stress, then the likelihood that you're getting every single micronutrient isn't as strong from the diet as, you know, it used to be when things were a little bit more rich in micronutrients.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Sorry, I'm just like adjusting my body like I'm I'm in these different positions on the ground. So, so I'm interested to know, doc, like you mentioned you mentioned these these common deficiencies. How might those deficiencies manifest into somebody's mental health or physical symptoms in terms of like omega 3 for instance if they if their omega 3 and omega 6 is like so out of whack and they're consuming a bunch of vegetable oils what are some things that might manifest from that
1: Yeah, so omega-3 deficiencies, we usually say, you know, look at your skin quality. So first, to understand what omega-3s actually do in the body, we have to talk about them from a cellular level. So omega-3s are going to really encapsulate the cell and the cell membrane and create this fluidity. Um, This also means that anything that attaches to your cells is going to interact with the cell membrane. So it can have a huge array of effects on our body because receptors are then going to initiate a response and can have any downstream effect, really. Um, but cell fluidity, also with omega-3s, dry skin is a huge mm. one. Um, so that's an easy one to see clinically is people with dry skin thinking, you know, do you have enough omega-3s in your diet? Omega-6s are not bad. Um, That's a common misconception. They're not bad. We actually need them in the body. There's some that are essential. Um, But we also need to have enough omega-3s to have a good ratio. So it looks like the general U.S. population, if you do an omega-3 index on them, which is a blood test that your doctor can order, average American levels are around like the 3 to 5% optimal levels are like seven to 12%. Mm -hmm. And so we actually see that people with low levels of omega threes have increased risk for cardiovascular disease, Um, possibly increased risk for depression as well. So it can present in a lot of different ways. But the biggest thing is just get tested and just increase the amount that you're taking in from your diet. So wild caught salmon, nuts, seeds, all these things are going to be super rich in omega threes
0: love it so for anyone listening right now or watching us on ig live like hopefully by now you realize like how much of a wealth of knowledge dr mary is and get your pen and paper out for this one because that's what i'm doing right now i'm being selfish i'm taking notes and i'm just expanding my own knowledge base because you really do have so much knowledge and i'm wondering what led you down this road of really diving deep, not, not going the traditional route of medicine like most, but really wanting to dive into the root cause and heal people on a really holistic level.
1: Yeah, so it was my own health journey that started me on the path for natural medicine in general. I had gut issues growing up as a young kid that went into my teenage years, and I was obsessed with performance optimization. So between those two things, I was constantly reading the research and figuring out, like, what could I experiment on myself to to heal myself and to stop you know feeling things like like constipation, bloating, like all the symptoms that I had growing up as a kid. And and so with that, I found naturopathic medicine. I literally just stumbled across it one day. And so I had put it in the back of my mind. And in college, I studied nutrition. I was really digging into, you know, what is the optimal human diet? And I tried every single diet. So one of the things that I was really into is N of 1 being myself as the first experiment. So I've tried pretty much everything out there when it comes to nutrition and wellness. Mm. And, um, and I went into research after college. So I thought that that was my career path. And I was going to get my PhD in physiology. I was working for the Armed Forces, enhancing performance of warfighters, so the Army specifically. Wow. And, um, and that was my real passion. To this day, it's still my biggest passion is the research. But what I found out really quickly is that it takes about 17 years for clinical, or sorry, for research to reach clinical practice.
0: Can you start that over? So it takes 17,
1: yeah, absolutely. It takes 17 years for the research that's emerging today to reach clinical practice. Wow. And so this isn't all the. And with everything that's going on with COVID, you're actually seeing a really quick increase, like resulting, like people are doing studies on COVID and we're getting results right away because there's a total need for it. But in general, if you take all of the studies and average it, it's about 17 years. That time gap is so big and in my mind, so unnecessary. So my goal is to bridge that gap to say, you know what, I have patients with X right now. I'm going to figure out what research has been done the most recently and the most effective sources of treatment, ideally natural, but even if they're not natural, like what is actually working and let's put it in place right now. And instead of in 17 years,
0: Mm, I love that. So that's, that's insane that you were, you were working with the army.
1: Yeah, I was a contractor and it was for a short period of time, but it was actually my dream job. I was working, um, with the army on warfighter performance. So we were in like the research division for physiology and exercise performance, doing hydration studies and things like that. But it was a super interesting experience. And to this day, it's definitely influenced how I go about reading clinical research.
0: Got it. So you said you were always really obsessed and infatuated with performance optimization. What was it that you were trying to perform at a high level. Were you an athlete in high school and college?
1: I was an athlete in high school. I actually didn't play any college sports. Um, But for me, it's more performance from a mental standpoint. And Mm -hmm. so I've always been an academic. And I think that, and you're a huge advocate of this, but movement is one of the best ways we can stimulate the brain. And so I really think that there's a lot of things that we're not tapping into that we can use on a day-to-day basis to optimize our physical performance, but also our mental performance, and the two usually go hand-in-hand. So Mm -hmm. things that are going to optimize your physical performance are likely going to optimize your brain just because of that link.
0: Yeah, I love that. And that's why… That's why, like you said, I emphasize the importance of movement, especially having having a morning practice that you stay consistent with, and that's going to increase your BDNF, and that's just going to generate blood flow throughout your body, which is only going to result in good things. And especially right now, with a lot of people being cooped up in their home, I think it's a great opportunity to facilitate to implement a movement practice maybe you're just getting started but also to try new things and like increase that rate of neuroplasticity like get some new neurons firing like hey try balancing on one leg try juggling try things that you typically wouldn't to really optimize that mental performance like you said
1: yeah. And not everybody knows about what you just said. And I think it's a huge point. And I love that you're, you're talking about it with your community because um, the only way that you create new neuronal connections is to do the things that you're not that good at. So like you said, if you're great at balancing on your right leg, well, you better start balancing on your left leg just as much or not, if not more, because that's where you actually need the work. So a lot of us will do things that we're really good at because it makes us feel good. And not to say that we have to stop doing that, but you need to emphasize the things that you're not good at. Like, what are you failing at? And the failing is not a bad thing. We can go into mindset around that. But, um, but that's really what your brain wants. So if you're terrible at math, do some math. You've got to start doing math. Balance Mm -hmm. same thing all of these things is like identify your deficiencies and go about them Just like you would a vitamin deficiency if you're deficient in vitamin D. You're not going to take vitamin A You're going to take vitamin D. Um, So if you're bad at something then really work on that if you're right If you put your right foot forward on a surfboard Try with your left foot and see how much you fail and then see how much you grow over the next few weeks Because you'll see a huge change in just your performance in general
0: I love that. What is something right now that you are currently not very good at, but you're committed to at least improving? Maybe it's the month of April's fast approaching, right? It starts tomorrow. So, what is something that you are committed to improving at this next month?
1: Yeah. So, I've started breath work more religiously, like more routinely. And I think that it helps me a ton. I've, you know, been meditating for a while, but really just consistency with this, you know, we don't have a morning commute anymore. So we can take that time to put it towards our morning routine or ritual, like you said. Um, The other thing is I started Taekwondo a few months ago. And so that was a really nice learning opportunity for me to do something that I had never done before. Wow. Um, The muscle memory that you start to develop. Yeah, it's on pause right now. But I enjoyed like those kicking routines where I had never done any of that before. So my body had no idea what it was doing. And I looked super awkward for the first um, part of it. But then you start to gain those neuronal connections and your body says, oh, yeah, I remember this from last week. Um, dance is another great one. So salsa dancing has been my back pocket in terms of things that I'm trying to learn and improve upon.
0: That's something like I would love, hopefully, hopefully Dr. Mary comes to Miami soon. I know you were here not so long ago, but I feel like one of the things when you're learning dance is like, you have to have a consistent partner because then you kind of get comfortable. Like, you know, okay, he's leading here. I can trust him. And if you're doing it with random people each time, I mean, you're going to get better, but you're not going to grow like you're capable of. Do you agree? Mm-hmm.
1: Are you asking me to be your dance partner?
0: Yes. So, <laughs> so considering, considering you're able to do a majority of your work remotely, that's what's so beautiful is that you've created a lifestyle that has enabled you to not be dependent on one location. And I'm curious to know, I know this is like maybe unrelated in, a, in terms of a segue, but I think one of the things I've noticed, especially with especially with like traditional doctors, is that they really don't have a lot of business savvy. Um, and this is, it's something I don't expect them to have because they're not taught any of this in in med school. But I'm just curious to know, like, how early on in your process did you know that you wanted to have your own practice and that you knew it wanted, you wanted it to be, uh, mostly virtual.
1: Um, yeah, I, I definitely have an entrepreneurial spirit, I would say. Um, and so I actually started my practice when I was in my third year. So I started a, a, a nutrition practice while I was in school, which was pretty unusual. Um, I think I was the only one in my class that did it. And for good reason, it was not the best idea in terms of trying to balance, you know, being a med student and starting a business, which, you know, is, <laughs> takes a lot of time by itself. Right. Um, but I also felt this like huge need and desire to start creating because med school is very much analytical science, brain and not a ton of creativity. Like you can't change the Krebs cycle. You got to learn the Krebs cycle. You got to master it. You got to memorize it. And that's when you move on to the next thing, but I needed something to really stimulate my creativity side of my brain. So um, I started my practice and it was a nutrition practice. And then I ended up hiring a doctor and made a medical practice before I graduated. So it was pretty early on that I knew that I was going to build something that was my own, just um, really just because it's something that I had to do. And I tell this to people all the time, like, Hey, should I start my own business? Should I start my own practice? And I think that it's not necessarily something that everybody needs or should do. It's more that you have that drive. That's like, I'm hundred percent going to have to do this because it's this fire inside of me. Um, right. but then there's a lot of perks to being an amazing employee, including financial perks. You know, you don't have all of the overhead. So, um, but yeah, I was pretty early on to answer your question shortly.
0: Yeah, that, well, that, that's incredible. So in the, in this practice you're talking about is Modern Med. How long has Modern Med been in operation?
1: Yeah. So Modern Med's been around for Three, a little over three years now, three or four years.
0: That's incredible. And you started Modern Med. Was, it, was Modern Med created while you were still in med school or right after?
1: Yeah, it started as a different company, actually. So it started as under a different name. We actually I named it Beyond Optimal to really highlight the optimization and the, um, the mind piece of it. So it was like, be the change you wish to see in the world. And that mm-hmm. kind of stemmed from Beyond Optimal. And then I changed the name and rebranded later on.
0: I love that. And since you mentioned mind, I, I love that you put such an emphasis on this, how your mindset, how your thoughts impact your physiology, your gene expression. So talk a little bit about this, because I really think this needs to be at the forefront of more conversations.
1: Yeah, especially in the health community, Um, especially in the functional medicine community, I would say, you know, sometimes we over test and over treat and think that there's too many problems going on, and really minimize the effect that the mindset has to do with everything. And I think it's huge. I think it's like, 90% Ninety percent of what's going on a lot of the time. Wow! Um, and you're you're amazing. Actually, your content is so good because you focus on it all the time and give people daily reminders. And I think that that's so needed, especially in the health, wellness, fitness community, to really say, yeah, exercise is great, but if you don't have your mindset in a place to establish abundance and healing and health and wellness and you know wealth, all of those things, then you're not going to see the return on investment. Um, so mind. It's really coming from my, my own journey of health in terms of I had GI issues growing up and I really started to develop a victim mindset, feeling like I was sick all the time. I was, you know, I was not healthy. I, I needed to see doctors and I needed all of these tests and needed to get these procedures or, you know, whatever it was, when in reality, I was pretty healthy all the time. Yeah, I had some minor things that I needed to work on, but I made those minor things into like this versus, okay, let's realize that it's actually this and we'll figure out how to fix it, but not think about it 24-7. Because when you think about how terrible you feel all the time, you start feeling worse all the time. And so it's this idea of putting your thoughts and attention on things that you want to move towards instead of move away from. So I really love Joe Dispenza's work. I know you do as well. Um, But he talks all the time about, let's think about health and wellness, if that's what we want to move towards. And that's the idea of the placebo effect versus the nocebo effect, which is thinking about things that you don't want to happen to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I talk about this with patients all the time. And right now, what's going on in the whole world with the COVID epidemic, we have to talk about mindset and anxiety that's happening, because likely we're all feeling some sort of low-level anxiety. Anxiety, if it has a utility, meaning that if we actually have a response to it that's going to initiate a positive change, is wonderful. Fear and anxiety are not bad things. They actually have a huge role in how we function in the world. However, and An example
0: of that would be like maybe you're going on stage to talk in front of a big group and like you get the butterflies, you're a little anxious. That's mm-hmm. completely normal. Is that, is that kind of what you're, you're exactly. referring? To? Okay. Yeah, and
1: so when you have that like stage fright or you know,, that, those butterflies that are coming up, that's adrenaline, that's norepinephrine, That's dopamine saying, "Oh shit, like what's gonna happen? Yeah. And it's going to increase your concentration. It is going to get your heart rate up. Your body doesn't really know if you're going on stage or if you're running from a tiger, so it's a really similar response. But the idea is that it's actually helping you from a physiological standpoint to either fight, flee, or figure out how to overcome the obstacle. And so we love that type of anxiety. It would also make it impossible for you to get on stage if there was no, no like anxiety at that level at all. So it's also right. what motivates you to make any of these big changes, which is essential. However, when we have anxiety and we're sitting home and we're worried about getting, say, coronavirus, or we're worried about, um, something else that we can actually not have an action towards. Like it has no utility. It's just a fear that can't lead to an action. That's when anxiety is no longer serving us. And this is where mindfulness meditation comes in because it's the idea of, okay, let's realize that anxiety. Let's actually feel it. Let's recognize it. Let's not even ask it to leave, but more so whenever you realize it and bring it to your fruition, it's going to start to dissolve because you're going to realize that there's no real threat that's even there that you can do anything about.
0: Hmm, I love that. I think it's so important. Uh, like you mentioned, is is understanding that these emotions of fear and anxiety, and especially scarcity, I feel like is a big one I'm seeing with small business owners and even large companies, is immediately like laying people off. And I understand that that is going to happen. Um, although I do think there are opportunities to, uh, improvise during these times, but those emotions actually impact you on a cellular level, right? Like I think in biology, a belief by Bruce Lipton, he actually has studies that show these type of emotions impact your cells a- and cause inflammation. So Feeling these things, especially right now, is going to increase your likelihood of getting anything, whether it's coronavirus or any other illness that comes along uh, because you're sabotaging yourself and you're actually weakening your immune system, ironically, by having those emotions.
1: Yeah, so chronic cortisol elevations from stress or anxiety or, you know, just like over- exertion of yourself for too long um but whether it's mental or physical it doesn't matter is going to weaken your immune system over time so again acutely is perfectly healthy and needed but it's this long time um you know long duration issue and i think that sometimes we're thinking about what's going on in the world as really acute and i'm not sure if it's that acute like it might be we need to be playing the long game with this in terms of really preventing chronic diseases from happening. So we decrease the amount of people that are more susceptible to, you know, viruses like this. And I think that's where we need to switch the paradigm and start focusing on how can we improve our health for the long term, not just for the next two weeks.
0: Yeah. What do you like? Unfortunately, it takes something like what's going on now for people to be proactive. And prioritize their health and wellness like this is the first time i'm seeing like a bunch of people posting about the importance of having a strong immune system it's like this isn't like a sensation this isn't like a fad this is something that should be in effect 365 days of the year like do you think there's anything what do you what do you think we can do to get people into that more proactive mindset rather than having to wait for shit to hit the fan first
1: I think that this is going to be a big kick for everybody. Um, I Hopefully. Like, I hope that that's one positive thing that comes out of this. And I think that there's going to be a lot of positive things. But we have the opportunity right now to realize that, okay, we weren't prepared for this as a nation on so many levels, but one of those being our health. And, you know, there's also people out there saying, hey, nutrition and all this stuff has nothing to do with this. And I think that that's a huge misconception because if you look at the numbers, the amount of people that are coming down with more serious cases of this have comorbidities. And if you're telling me that diet, exercise, lifestyle have nothing to do with cardiovascular disease, diabetes, you know, I've reversed diabetes in my practice. So you can't tell me that. And I'm not saying if you have, you know, if you actually get the virus and you start eating healthy, it's going to cure you of the virus. That's, you know, I think that that's silly and we all know that. But we have to be thinking about, okay, is this going to come back in October? Is this going to have a seasonality to it? And if it's not this exact one, something else is going to come up where you're also Mm -hmm. going to want a strong immune system. Um, So really thinking about it more in terms of what can we do to improve the health of our entire nation? And that's reducing chronic diseases, which integrative functional naturopathic medicine is amazing at.
0: So talk about that when you have reversed type 2 diabetes, what, first of all, I wanna know about like how long that process took because I think some people, again, they look for a quick fix. It's like, it didn't take three weeks for you to get diabetic. It was five to 10 years of habits that were leading towards that direction. So I'm curious to know like, what was the length that that took? And then maybe, I I know it's different case by case, but what are like three things, maybe three principles that people who are pre-diabetic or diabetic now can implement that will help them go towards uh, a better direction.
1: Yeah, and I have to correct myself, I didn't reverse the diabetes, they did, right? So that's a huge point that um, sometimes we just say things, but it's definitely everything that that person did reversed their chronic disease. So that's super empowering and I always applaud people for making those huge changes. Um, when it comes to type two diabetes or pre diabetes, which you know we have to treat this with the same importance level, because you don't want it to eventually become diabetes, you're really looking at it at a metabolic standpoint with nutrition and exercise. So this is like foundation of health stuff in terms of going to a whole foods diet. Like, it doesn't have to be crazy, intricate. It doesn't have to be counting macros, you know, a ton. Um, I will tell people that I love to hook people up to Dexcoms and really see what their blood sugars are doing over the day, but it can be as simple as moving to a whole foods diet to start with. Mm. So taking out processed foods, taking out refined carbohydrates, I'm really focusing on eating the most amount of non-starchy vegetables as you possibly can. Those are things like broccoli, spinach, kale, arugula, all the things that have tons of micronutrients, but not a lot of carbohydrates. And and then getting with a functional medicine doctor and testing your fasting insulin. If your fasting insulin is through the roof, it's gonna make the treatment of diabetes and reducing your weight a lot more difficult. And so there's herbal medications as well as pharmaceuticals that can help lower fasting insulin levels um, to get you, you know, on the right start. So berberine is one of those things that's a AMP kinase activator. Um, other things is going to be so we talked about diet, berberine, and then exercise, movement. So, what you do is one of the few ways that we can actually get glucose into the cells independent of insulin. So, walking actually acts as a pump to put glucose into the cells without the use of insulin, which is huge in the treatment of prediabetes and diabetes.
0: So, you're saying that movement's important?
1: Super important.
0: Yes. What up, podcast fam? I'm sorry for interrupting the show, but I want to make sure that you're prioritizing your immunity. And the best way to do that is with the ultimate shrooms. This is eight organic mushroom fruiting bodies designed to drive your white blood cell count up and really boost your immunity. So there's no better time to prioritize your health than right now. All you got to do is go to liveultimate.com slash podcast do it now do it now fam the time is now don't wait until tomorrow live slash podcast now let's get back to the show i'm having some some neurons connecting right now i see some sort of collaboration happening in the future maybe you don't see it yet doc but i do and i'm excited <laughs> um, no and 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 I think it's so important like it's it's really the basics, right like you are working on such a high level where you really are going super into this person 's history and like and like you said, like their thoughts their their past like like different deficiencies they may be suffering from, but when you keep it like super surface level and basic, and you really just master those things and build consistency in those habits like most likely you're going to be in a good position to succeed, right?
1: 100%. We make health and nutrition and exercise, we make it so complicated. And if you go back to the basics of eat real food, move your body, sleep, get sunshine, like you're way ahead of the curve.
0: Yeah. What is, what is Dr. Mary's morning routine? Like the first 60 minutes of your day? I'm, I'm really curious. I feel like you have a good one.
1: Yeah. And it's definitely simplified over the years, I think. And it it changes. And I think it might be my constitution, but I get bored. I get bored with things. So I like to switch it up. Um, You actually saw part of my morning routine. So the first thing I do in the morning is I go out and I go for a really short run. And it's less than a mile. So it's anywhere from like three minutes to just just barely a mile. And the reason I do that is not for exercise. It's just to activate my brain to like literally get things moving in my body and to say, okay, you know, I see the dopamine coming. Like I feel more motivated now. And it's definitely to get me into a state where I can perform for the rest of the day. So that. Morning run then turns into my meditation and breath work, which I kind of alternate what I do. I love the inner balance device by HeartMath. So that's one that I use on a pretty frequent basis. It's
0: called inner balance.
1: Yeah, it's called the inner balance device and it's by the company HeartMath and HeartMath is one of the leading researchers in heart rate variability training Mm. and what HRV actually means and how we can improve our HRV as well as our heart coherence. And so I use that device. It's, it's basically a breathing device. And so you're looking at your phone and there's a little medallion that opens and closes and you sink your breath to it. And it's super calming. I mean, talk about just hyper-focusing on something and letting your thoughts kind of go by you. So I do that, or I do a breathwork session. So I do some Wim Hof breathing, um, a combination of those two, maybe both, maybe one. And then I do some affirmations and journaling in terms of goals. So I write down what my goal is today, this week, long-term, super long-term. So I write down like four things every day.
0: Awesome. So a couple questions with that. Um, couple questions. So first of all, with heart rate variability, is that, is that an app or is it like an actual device?
1: Both. It's a app and it's a device. So it actually plugs into your phone and you have a monitor that clips onto your earlobe to actually measure your pulse and your heart rate variability.
0: Cool. And I'm curious to know, like something like the aura ring, do you think that's like super, would you recommend getting one of those?
1: I think that they're great. And so I work with a lot of athletes and I I usually have them get the whoop because whoop is more athlete focused. It's also just more of a wearable in terms of if you lift weights, it doesn't get in the way. Um, The aura I think is great for tracking your sleep more so. My caveat with any of these is that if you use it to help improve yourself, great, but don't wake up and say, oh, I slept really shitty. Therefore, I should feel shitty today. Yes. And that's what I see happen. It's like people wake up and they're like, oh, I feel good. And then they look at their aura and they're like, oh, no, I don't feel good. <laughs> I slept <not> really bad. <laughs> and it's right, like, no, right, you right. do feel good. You're fine. Maybe you don't do like a, a two hour hit workout or CrossFit training workout. That should be the outcome. It should just be how do you tailor your activities that day maybe to what was happening at night and sleep quality, but not necessarily dictate how you're feeling because that's where things get dangerous and that's the nocebo effect in you know, full force.
0: Right. I personally never, like, I've never been a fan of wearables just because like you said, I feel like we're already so connected and it's almost, it's almost like another distraction, another thing externally that we're depending on to tell us how we're feeling. And like you said, I think when you're able to really build that level of intuition whether it's with your movement practice, your breathing practice, your affirmations, your your nutrition, that's when you're really starting to take power and take ownership of your health and wellness. And it's like, hey, I feel like this right now. Or, you know, I don't really feel like crushing a workout. I feel more like just like a 15 or 20 minute stretch and breathwork session. Like, that is something I encourage all of you listening and watching to strive for is rather than listening and, and, and listen, there's a, there's a purpose and a place like Dr. Mary said for these external things, but are you relying too heavily on it? Are you constantly like getting notifications on your Apple watch, which again is stealing away your energy and focus. Um, So I think that's a really important distinguishing thing you mentioned. And I'm also I'm also curious in that morning routine of yours. So you mentioned these affirmations. Um, can you share one of those affirmations, like a recent one that's maybe been really powerful for you?
1: Yes. Um, one that repeats in my journal would be you are enough or I am enough. And I think that's important for a lot of people just realizing that view yourself for enough right now, how you are without biohacking, without optimizing, without, you know, any of the other things. But like I right now as myself am enough. And as a perfectionist and overachiever, this is one that I need to hear every single day. Um, Because, you know, sometimes we get caught up in the destination and where we want to go and not realizing, you know, that we're already in a really good spot where we are.
0: Interesting. Where, where during your, doing during your youth your childhood where do you think the story started to set in that maybe you weren't enough uh what is there maybe a moment or a a relationship or something that you'd be willing to share with us that might have ingrained the contrary message to you
1: yeah we're going there huh we just went deep we don't Um, have
0: to Just full disclosure for everyone listening, I sent I sent every guest like if there's anything that's off limits that you don't want me to talk about, just let me know. I'm gonna respect your boundaries. But you didn't <laughs> let me know anything.
1: So No, no I'm oh, super open.
0: It's
1: fair game. I'm super open and it is for game. And um, I don't have a great like packaged answer for you. I think that I think that this happens a lot. As we develop and as we grow up in terms of you're, as soon as you're known for one thing, you kind of hold on to that as an identity. And so I was I was very successful in academics from a young girl like perfect scores, A's, I got a 4.0 GPA like, you know, none of these are humble brags even just realizing that I was I was definitely an academic child. And so when I started to get praised for that, I realized now that this is expected of me, like perfection at an academic level is expected and I must deliver. So I think that that was probably one of the big things that got um, ingrained at an early age. And then in other things too, you know, when you start to excel in a sport, you know, you're praised and you realize, okay, this is part of my identity. I better keep this up. I've got to stay in shape. Um, as a young woman, I definitely had an eating disorder. And so that was another thing. You know, I was always referred to as, you know, the skinny little girl. And so that was another identity that I took on. And said so I have to maintain that. And that became um, definitely detrimental to my health. And it's definitely one of the reasons I went into optimization. So mm-hmm. I think that a lot of my passion was derived for something that was not that healthy in the beginning. And then when I realized it, I was actually able to work through it and flip it and say, okay, optimization is not your thinnest self it's your healthiest self Mm. um but
0: i appreciate you i appreciate you sharing that a couple things come to mind from what you're sharing and and i think it's so important like you you basically what you were explaining is how you tied so much of your identity into being this academic right and and like you said this happens in all parts of life and you see it every day like scrolling through social media like this person has identified like they're just fitness like you know getting jacked crushing these workouts so like that's their identity you have like you have like my body is my identity that's my self worth it can be with sports it can be with it can be with school so i really encourage people tuning in right now like build awareness with yourself what are things that you're holding on to What are parts of your identity that you are scared to lose? And, and, and I think that's so important because, you know, you said you work with athletes and I think that's a great example because athletes, a majority of the time, unless they're golfers, uh, their career is done if they're lucky by like 35. Yeah. And that's, and that's when most people are getting started like with their career. So, you have people who have played a sport for 25, 30 years. They've literally, that's what they've done. Like that's been their whole identity. And I see actually one of my buddies on, on IG live, Aaron Franco, who was an incredible soccer player, played at one of the top colleges, played at Maryland, and then got concussions and couldn't play. And it was really challenging for him. So, so I appreciate you sharing and I just encourage people to use this time of solitude to build self-awareness and see what areas you are clinging onto. Also, Mary, um, you mentioned perfectionism, uh, which I kind of sensed. I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering, like, what areas right now does that show up where it might not serve you?
1: Oh gosh, I really wish I wrote responded to that email. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> carries the life that doesn't, um, I mean, it, it penetrates business, right? In terms of when you're trying to get something done and you're working with a team and not just working on your own. I think that it becomes more challenging because you expect perfection from everybody and not just yourself. Mm. And so that can go into micromanaging. It can go into a whole host of things that don't promote, um, a business growth. Definitely. Um, it also it's benefited me in many ways as well. Cause I'm very detail oriented. I expect a level of, you know, perfection from myself and all of my teammates. So it's definitely elevated us in terms of quality, but it also, you have to have a balance. Um, so like you said, figuring out where it doesn't serve you anymore and working through a way that actually, um, yeah. helps you move through it.
0: Yeah. Uh... I have an idea or I have a feeling and I could be wrong. I don't, I don't, I'm not one to really make assumptions, but usually they're right. So, um, uh, because I've noticed in terms of, it doesn't necessarily have to be health and wellness people, but I see a lot of people like really being perfectionists when it comes to like creating content and it's like, Oh my God, I'm so worried that like, I don't have the perfect angle or that I'm going to sound silly or something else. And I'm wondering if that has, has come up for you too, when it's like time to create some content.
1: 100%. Yeah, I think it makes you want to re-record everything a million times and then you, ne- you never post it because you said a word wrong or you think that somebody's going to realize that you cited the wrong research study <laughs> or things that are likely never going to happen. But um, you have such a high level for yourself and your content and everything that you, you do and you put out is a reflection from of you, which is true, um, but it can impede you. And so, you know, when I learned about minimum viable products, and one of the people that I end up working with when he kind of t- told me about this, like, Hey, you need to just get a minimum viable product out there that's going to help somebody. That's when things started to change being like, okay, you know, this doesn't have to be perfect right now. I can always reinvent it or redo it or add upon, you know, contribute to it or continue the, the flow. But, um, but yeah, I think that that's an issue with all perfectionists is that we're less likely to put something out until it's, you know, super shiny and polished and all that stuff. But I have definitely learned to take on a little bit more risks and let go of some of it as I've yeah. developed as a professional.
0: So, okay. Yes. So there's something you just mentioned that really triggered a thought and I, it just slipped my mind. Crap. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, in, reg- in regards to the content, you know, I definitely encourage you because I know and we're not even going to tackle into like one thousandth of the knowledge and wisdom you have, but, uh, I really encourage you like you have so much knowledge and I feel like this is what I was going to tell you. I got it. So one of the things that I am sure has helped you in your career in terms of building relationships with clients and stuff like that is the fact that you have had your fair share of hardships and adversity and obstacles to overcome. It's not like you've just came out and you were Dr. Mary, right? Like you've had a lot of stuff that you've had to overcome and endure. And I think a lot of people can relate to that because they see the humanness in you. And, you know, talking to my dad, like he always mentioned, that was something that a lot of doctors never do is build that connection with their patients, like let them know, like, this is human to human interaction. Like I'm not above you. You know, this is, this is something that we're working together on. So I think by sharing more of these stories you've opened up about, and maybe you have, and I just haven't seen them, but I feel like, I feel like that would be super powerful. And I feel like people really resonate with your message and with your voice.
1: Amazing. Yeah. I'm willing to take that challenge on and I've definitely done a little bit of it, but I think that we can always do more. Um, in med school, you actually learn about that relationship that you're talking about too, in terms of the the patient doctor relationship is almost as important, if not more important than the actual treatment. And so that rapport that you build with somebody is, is super important in the clinical outcome. Never mind, just like the human connection.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So true. Um, Dr. Mary, uh, what are, what are, you know, I don't, I told you before, like, I don't want to overwhelm people with coronavirus, COVID-19. However, however, I do feel like we have the opportunity to provide valuable info that they might not find on CNN or Fox news. And maybe we can actually create a sense of peace, a sense of calm in this rather uncertain, chaotic time. So you mentioned in a in a recent post on on Instagram about the ace two receptor and the role that gut health plays in the possibility of contracting covid nineteen is that right
1: yeah, and so we have to talk about it in a much more like much lighter so that it's not that gut health is going to cause COVID nineteen, or if you have any sort of gut issues, you're, you know. It just, we're not talking about in the one to one correlation. I just really wanted to talk about the importance of optimizing your gut health for life in general, but also possibly for any sort of infectious disease. And so when it comes to COVID-19, you know, one of the entry points is called ACE2, and that's a receptor that's found in the lungs, which is why there's a lot of lung manifestations, but it's also found in the heart and the small intestines. And so, you know, even China came out with a statement that said, you know, people with severe COVID infections, one of the treatments should be a And it's because of the disrupted gut microbiome that may be present, but also just the reduction in secondary bacterial infections, which can be really dangerous, dangerous with COVID-19. So again, it's not that it's causing it. It's not that it's a huge piece, but it's a piece of the puzzle. And with something this significant, we got to take into consideration all of those things and not just focus on one small aspect of it. Um, so and gut health is my specialty. So I always want to let people know kind of what the gut health side of things is But um, that ACE2 receptor in the gut when it's mutated or if there's something wrong with it um, Can really decrease the amount of anti-microbial peptides that are released and those are things that help um, You fight off infections. So mm. directly correlated. We also know like our gut microbiome affects every single organ in the body, which is fascinating And so there's this lung-gut crosstalk, and we think part of it is an upregulation of receptors that happens from your gut microbiome to the lungs. So there's actually increased receptors in the lungs in response to something that's going on in the gut. And, you know, this crosstalk is happening by tons of different mechanisms, but one of them is going to be postbiotics, which are things that your microbes actually produce. So your gut microbiome, a bunch of little bacteria, and they... They can encode for a bunch of different proteins, and those proteins interact with our human cells to tell them messages the The end story with all of this is how do you optimize your gut right now? Well, if you have something going on, then you want to treat that specific thing but in general, fiber polyphenols things from food are going to be those healthy eating sources for those bacteria to produce the butyrate and the other potentially helpful postbiotics like short chain fatty acids that can can really benefit your immune system as well as just your general health.
0: All right. I think I got a majority of that. So, so these polyphenols and fiber would go in the category as prebiotics, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. So polyphenols are going to be any sort of antioxidant in a fruit vegetable. They actually give them color. Um, so like anthocyanidins are the redder color vegetables or fruits. Um, and those are actually the fuel source or one of the fuel sources for your bacteria to produce the end products of postbiotics.
0: Okay. So let's go through like three to five foods. Um, you know, some, some stuff that comes to mind in terms of like polyphenols, would be like blueberries, I know are a great source, dark chocolate, mm-hmm. extra virgin olive oil with the oleocanthal.
1: Yeah, olive oil is gonna be great.
0: Amazing, let's go like two or three more.
1: And for olive oil, one of the tips is, is look for an olive oil that's a little bit green. You know, if you look at different olive oils, they're all different colors, but if there's a green tinge to it, then it's going to have more of those polyphenols, um, in it. So it's also just a good source of, you know, it's a good quality olive oil, extra virgin, you know, organic, all that stuff. Um, in terms of other sources of polyphenols, you know, raspberries or any of your berries are going to be really rich sources of polyphenols and, any of your vegetables. So if it has a color, which all your vegetables are going to have a color, it's got a polyphenol in it. Even your white vegetables have polyphenols in it. Um, So you don't have to be selective. But I tell people the idea of eating the color of the rainbow is not just something for kids that we tell them because it's fun, but it's actually because they all have different antioxidants in them that are going to support you, your body, your immune system, all of your systems differently. So variety is probably the biggest factor for gut health because you're getting in so many different fibers, so many different polyphenols Mm. to support diversity of the gut microbiome. And the one thing, yeah, the one thing that we know about the microbiome when it comes to the research is that diversity is probably the biggest factor. There's so many things we don't know. There's so many bugs that we don't know what they do. They also interact with each other. So your gut microbiome is way more individualized than even your thumbprint or your fingerprint. Mm. Um, But the thing that we can get out of all of this is that diversity is king. So rotating your vegetables, rotating the color of your vegetables, um, and eating a little bit of dirt once in a while.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's going to go over well with what we're currently going through right now. Yeah. Um. Okay. So we covered a bunch right now. Like we covered a lot and I definitely think we're going to have to have a round two at some point. Maybe it'll be on your podcast that you're going to be launching soon. Mm -hmm. Folks, be ready for Dr. Mary's podcast. It's going to be epic and she is going to bring in really, really high quality people. But honestly, I think like during this month, like it's definitely something to consider for you.
1: No, I love it, and I'll put it on my my list of things to do in terms of be more vulnerable with my guests is one thing that coach Jeremy has challenged me to and launch in the podcast
0: exactly and 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 salsa lessons when you come to miami
1: and you're my new dance partner most importantly
0: so so question for you you know I feel like a lot of times these conversations uh, they're like the same type of questions, and it's like yeah, I know that's your expertise, right? but at the same time, like I want to make sure you have a fun experience, so like, what is it that maybe we didn't touch on yet, that you're super passionate about that you want to talk about?
1: Ooh, leaving it up um, honestly, what I'm most passionate about is helping people answer the questions that they have. So the, the most fun that I have on podcasts is Q&A, like, what can I help? What can I bring? What can I, how can I serve your audience? So, you know, if people have questions on IG Live, or if you have questions that have been burning, um, you know, a hole in your pocket, then I would love to just answer those, because that's really my biggest passion is just helping people figure out what they want to know and learn more about it.
0: Got it. We're going to do that. I'm going to actually end this IG live. A couple people said there's an issue, uh, with the mic. Um, let me share this though. Um, so, so, okay. I like how you kind of threw it back at me. That's awesome. I, I, I like that. I like that approach. So, so, um, let's go, let's, let's do this. You know, uh, again, we talked about how everything is in in functional medicine is really like an individualized approach. I think that's one of the core, core principles of it, but let's talk about maybe five, five principles that will be effective for 98% of the population. So that could be something that could be something like, you know, like intermittent fasting, whatever it may be.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um starting with nutrition first, um, you know, eat real food. I think food is medicine, so I would just say eat real food. I I'm not into dogmas about keto, about any of the things vegan, you know. I think if you eat real food and eat mostly plants. Um, so that doesn't mean that you can't eat meat, but eat mostly plants. So that's going to be my number one. Number two is move your body and push yourself. So I think the first step is just to move. So I always tell people start with 10,000 steps per day. Once you get there, add in resistance training or, you know, some other form of exercise that's going to stress your muscles. Um, Number three is going to be develop grit or resistance or, you know, some sort of stress response. So I think that this is an important one and you I think I've talked about it before too, but you definitely talk about it in your message in terms of, you know, this right now is a great time to be developing grit. It's a time of uncertainty. It's a time that, you know, a lot of us feel anxious, but this is also a time that we can move through it and feel and find really powerful adaptive stress responses Mm. Um, so whether that's developing grit through physical exercise and you're pushing yourself at your home workouts, that's a great way, um, mentally through meditation and just sitting with the uncomfortableness. Um, but some sort of grit development is definitely in my top five.
0: I love Um, that.
1: Yeah. Number four. at four. Yeah. Number four is going to be, um, optimize your sleep. And that should probably be number one. So we did a whole course on sleep, and I learned more about sleep than I ever thought I was gonna learn. But sleep, you think about how much you sleep in your whole life. If you're not sleeping well, then your immune system is affected, your hormones are affected. All of that stuff is going to be affected. Um, A lot of the repair and like kind of recharging your body happens at night during sleep. So you could be doing all of the things. You could be taking supplements, you could be, you know, biohacking, doing sauna, doing infrared. If your sleep sucks, you know, forget about anything else. So I think optimizing your sleep and a lot of that is going to go back into the foundations of getting enough sunlight. So we know that amount or the quality of the light exposure during the day is more important for sleep quality than melatonin production at night. Um, So that is going to be my 4.5 because I need more than five for you is light exposure or just optimizing circadian rhythm, I guess we could say. So light exposure during the day and sleep quality at night. And then my last one is going to be some sort of mind training. Meditation, Headspace app, wherever you have to start or wherever you want to start, but really figuring out how to tap into your central nervous system and start to balance your parasympathetic and sympathetic systems to optimize your cognitive performance, but also optimize your hormones, your immune system. You know, meditation has more research on it than exercise probably at this point. So super crucial.
0: So just to recap, we have eat real food. So avocados, no Twinkies. Uh, move your body ten thousand steps, and then once you get past that threshold, challenge yourself, push yourself a little bit and then we have resilience training. you know find something to do that 's going to challenge you in some capacity and that could be something simple like a cold shower you know yeah. to get that stress response and to wake up different parts of your body, the vagus nerve um and there 's no better time to do these things than right now, like right you you 're going to be eating all your meals at home now you have the ability to move your body, do a bunch of free classes online, on social media. Resilience, we just talked about cold shower. Sleep, there's no excuse for, for not getting adequate sleep right now because there shouldn't be any FOMO. Like no one's out doing anything right now. So, so getting that recovery in, your physical recovery, your mental recovery, and then uh, with the circadian rhythm, finding ways, especially first thing in the morning, to get a little sunshine. Uh, and then your final one was like a stillness practice meditation. Uh, did I do a good job of summarizing those?
1: That was a great recap. Yes.
0: Amazing. So, so real quick, real quick, doc, we're almost done. I promise. But I I have a little rapid fire for you. Um, just to get you thinking on your toes, like we talked about mindset and, and being able to, uh, adapt, right? So what is Dr. Mary's favorite emoji?
1: Don't use emojis. Really? No. Never? Occas- occasionally I've used one. I can't even remember last time.
0: Wow. I'm
1: the colon parenthesis person. You're like,
0: the, you're like the grammatarian. Correct. Okay, cool. Uh, what is the first place you'd like to travel to after this COVID-19 crisis is done?
1: Absolutely. I want to do an African safari.
0: Amazing. And what is the number one thing that you're missing right now with everything going on?
1: My gym, the gym,
0: gym. What have you been doing oh, for your I'm workouts?
1: Just, I've been doing some home workouts. I've been getting creative. Yesterday I did pistol squats, push um, bridges, also do, do dips, like using the couch or whatever I have here.
0: Let's get a workout in. Let's get a virtual yeah. workout. All right, cool. We'll plan that. Um, So check it out. Like who, who would be, I know this might be a weird question, but who would be like your dream patient? Like who's someone that you would love the opportunity to help optimize their wellness?
1: Um, I love helping people that if I help them, it helps a whole bunch more people. Um, so it's that trickle down effect. And so that's really important. So those are like leaders, um, people that are helping a bunch of other people, whether it's, you know, that they're the head of a foundation or, you know, the head of a company, something like that. And, you know, that's, that's definitely my goal is just to empower those people that then will empower a bunch more.
0: Got it. But, but do you have someone in specific, like in particular in mind, like who's maybe a leader or person of oh. uh, power that you, that you uh, admire?
1: I don't have anybody in mind. I can probably think of somebody off the top of my head. Um,
0: like it could be Tony Robbins.
1: Yeah. Let's put him up. He's, he's a huge, um, mentor of mine just from a distance, but just consuming his, his information. I have a feeling he has a pretty good health care team because he prioritizes his health, um, a lot, which I also admire, but yeah, he would be exactly the, the type of person that touches so many lives and empowers so many people.
0: Love that. And lastly, Where I I know after this, you know, people are going to listen and they're going to be mesmerized by some of the things that you spoke about and they're going to want to connect on a deeper level. What's the best place for them to connect with you?
1: Yeah. So my Instagram is at dr.maryparty. And then modern meds website for any of those interested on in like one-on-one consults, it's m o d r n Med.com, so modernmed.com, no e and modern. those are the two best avenues. It's
0: modernmed.com without the first e, right? You got it.: Perfect. And you you guys are accepting, accepting new new clients at the moment.
1: Yep, yeah, we are.:
0: Amazing. I might have to check in and and see if my health is actually as good as I think it is.
1: Yeah, I probably should have put that as five point five. Get some lab work done when all this is said and done. See where you stand. You know, figure out is there ways you can reduce your risk for cardiovascular disease, diabetes. Um, do you have anything that's pre-existing that we can really help focus on? But lab work is a huge passion of mine.
0: I love it. And Dr. Mary, thank you so much for exchanging energy with me today. I'm super grateful. I'm glad that we made this happen. Uh, any final words that you have any, any final, this is probably going to go out next week at some point. So people are on lockdown. They're quarantined, which I don't even like using that word, but uh, any, any final words you'd like to leave us with?
1: Thank you so much for having me. That's my first thing for sure. Um, I'm a huge fan of yours and I appreciate all that you're putting out in the universe because your content is amazing and you're inspiring change at an individual level as well as a global level. So um, just applause to you and keep doing what you're doing and thank you so much for having me.
0: Wow. Thank you, doc. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, we're going to we're going to wrap this up right now. Guys, thank you so much for listening into the end of the show. You know, I really am grateful for your energy because I know how many other podcasts there are, how many other audiobooks, but you took the time to get better, to improve yourself in some capacity. And the fact that you made that commitment is huge. So I acknowledge you for taking the time to honor yourself, honor your mind, honor your body. You already know what time it is. It's time to optimize your life and exchange energy. Podcast fam, thank you so much for listening until the end of the show. Your energy genuinely means the world. And the best way for me to continue improving this experience is for you to leave a review. Let me know what your biggest takeaway was from today's show. It genuinely means the world to me to get your feedback so I can continue evolving this experience. Your word of mouth is my oxygen. Thank you so much for tuning in and I can't wait for next episode.